RadioInfluence.com. Daniel, I didn't know if I would ever say these words, but we can truly say it. It's a John Jones fight week. It is a John Jones fight week, Jason. Oh my gosh. Finally, I can feel good about spending $90 on a pay-per-view. I am excited for this fight. We're not only seeing him return, Jason, we're seeing him finally challenge for a heavyweight championship. Granted, the best heavyweight in the world isn't involved in this fight. He is currently a free agent. But I am excited for this fight, man. I'm I'm so hyped. And, you know, I've gone back and forth, Jason. On one side, we have the greatest fighter of all time. But on the other side, the greatest fighter of all time has spent a lot of time, you know, not fighting. Yeah, you know, we're we're going we're going to talk about this uh throughout the show here. Most of the show will be about UFC 285 and I think when we're talking about a, a premium product, that's exactly what we're getting on Saturday night. I mean, you you look at the two title fights, but man, like I look at these five fights on pay-per-view and and I love all five fights for various reasons, you know. Obviously Bo Nickel UFC debut, what does he look like? He's a massive betting favorite, a 16 to 1 betting favorite. Uh his fight against Jamie Pickett, uh Gamron Turner, I think it's kind of an interesting clash of styles what can Jalen Turner can he uh, stop the grappling of Gamron I think your Gamron uh, can you not get into a kickboxing matchup there and uh, Shavkat Rachmanov uh, Jeff Neal I mean I you know look at you look at those betting odds you're like damn but Shavkat Rachmanov and, and I'm gonna bring up a, a little bit of question about Rachmanov later on in the show of course we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of course this episode is presented by harry's we'll talk about the great offer harry's has for the ma report podcast listener a little bit later on in the show plus we'll talk about uh, all, everything going on in the world of ma including the fact that a little breaking news that we had yesterday darren till no longer with the ufc as a ufc granted his request to be released from his contract talk about what he wrote there on social media but uh, you know something i do want to start to show up with this week is i got a little hat tip to the mixed martial arts fan and it's a hat tip that i found out myself on saturday because back in january i had showtime on youtube tv and the fact that bellator was not going to be on on showtime for you know till the end of february i was like you know what I, there's a ton of great programming on showtime i just don't watch it so i cancel it it was $11 a month on YouTube TV. And so we got to Saturday. I was like, you know what? I got to get Showtime back. I got to be able to watch these fights. And uh, I remember, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, I saw an ad somewhere or I saw an email about how you can bundle uh, Paramount Plus and Showtime together. And I'm already a Paramount Plus subscriber paying $9.99 a month. And then I'm like, all right, let me log into my account. Let me just see what this bundle is. I was really surprised about the price point of this one, Daniel, Showtime plus Paramount plus eleven ninety nine. If I just wanted Showtime on YouTube TV, it's ten ninety nine. I was like, it's a nice little hat tip to MMA fans. If you're a Paramount plus subscriber, you can bundle the two together for twelve bucks a month. How much is Paramount plus alone? Nine ninety nine. So if you're a Paramount plus subscriber, if you like your Yellowstone, even if Kevin Costner might not. You only got to add two more dollars and, and you got the showtime, you know, and so you can watch Matthew McConaughey now as the new Yellowstone guy and watch your showtime. That's a nice little hat tip, Jason. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, you know, I was like, damn, that's that's a nice little offer there. Because I uh, 
the reason I initially got Paramount Plus was because they had a, a season of the challenge that was exclusive to Paramount Plus and just never got rid of it. Because why I really would I probably have it now for more than anything else is watching the CBS shows commercial free. You know, obviously I could watch them on YouTube TV, but then I got to fast forward through commercials. I just found myself like there's some shows I watch over on CBS. I'm just like, "Ah, I just wait for the next day on Paramount Plus and I don't have to watch any commercials. Somebody needs to make a website. And the website is you pick all the things you want. You want Showtime. You want to watch all the Disney shows. You want to watch the NBA, MLB, yada, yada, right? You pick everything and it does all the calculations and it provides you the most efficient an expensive way to get all these things because I guarantee you this isn't the only way where you've saved a buck. I bet there are other things, other bundles, services where you could save a buck. But for the mixed martial arts fan that likes something that's on Paramount, that, that's a heck of a bundle. And Hey man, I mean, you got it. You got to get on the journey. Uh, you know, you, you covered it great on, on the podcast on Monday, but Jesus Christ, that Amasov win. Oh, my God, that was crazy. If there's one dude I want to see take on Shavkat Rachmanov, I would want to see Rachmanov and Amasov freaking fight, dude. Uh, but, yeah, that uh, that's a hell of a deal. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of good Bellator shows to see on Showtime that uh, are going to be worth it. So I, I would get after it if I was uh, someone who likes the challenge. Or, or uh, I don't really know what else is on Paramount, but uh, – you know, I'm not a, I'm not a Paramount subscriber, but maybe uh, the more I look into it, I, I might just be. Fortunately, yeah, yeah fortunately, um, you know, I'm chilling at my parents' house, and I guess they just subscribe to HBO and Showtime just when they bought the cable, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's great. I don't need to worry about that yet, With, but I, I do need to worry about it pretty soon. It's about time, you know. Yeah, you know, on Monday's podcast, I was kind of talking about what John McCarthy had said on, on the broadcast about calling Yaroslav Amosov the best what's away to roll, which I didn't have a, a major problem with why he said it, because at the end of the day, he cuts a check from he gets a check from Bellator. If I was in John McCarthy's shoe, yeah, I, w- I would tote the same message, too, because I know where my check is coming from. So I really didn't have a problem with it. But uh, one of the things that I wanted to do, because I am a a voting member in the voting panel of the Bellator rankings. I created a spreadsheet today of my rankings, the official rankings, and Fireshore eligible ranked in those divisions. So it allows me to keep a better track on who gets removed from the rankings um, eligibility. And because sometimes you'll you'll log in and say, oh man, two fires dropped out. Who the hell did I have in there? So but one of the things that was very clear to me as I was going through this and putting the spreadsheet together a majority of the Bellator roster, and I guess this really shouldn't be a surprise, is at 145 pounds and 155 pounds. The Walter White list is just a lot shorter or what? Yeah, it's a, in terms of talking about fires who are eligible. Like, so if I, I like, I'm looking at, so I have the ranking. So I, I put it in a spreadsheet. So, you know, I've got Amosov, you know, going all the way down to, so Hamasi. So, they are that that starts line two through line twelve. Now on the far right hand screen, I have fighters eligible eligible fighters not ranked. They start at line two and go to line twenty four. Wow. I go over to lightweight that starts at line two and goes all the way to line thirty six. 
and featherweight it starts line two all the way down to line 37 so it kind of tells you where you know because it was one of those things of as i was kind of putting these names through it it made me kind of have this understanding of the divisions where bellator really needs to add some some depth i mean we've always talked about women's 145 pounds which i'll tell you when i did my rankings i noticed that seven fighters were eligible when i went on there today well, Janae Harding's already been uh, removed from the eligible fighters list. So we're back to only, uh, you know, seven total fighters at women's 145 pounds. Yeah, I mean, that's a weight class that needs help, not only in Bellator, but across the sport. It's just maybe similar to why we see so many lightweight and featherweight fighters is that there's just the average human weighs a certain amount of pounds. And it seems like the average human in across the world more of those humans weigh at a certain weight to where if they became an athlete, the likely weights they would cut down to is 155 or 145 in the male division. Like like right like right now I'm walking around, Jason, I'm probably the most average person of all time. Like five eleven, a hundred and uh you know, ninety-five pounds. If I was a mixed martial arts fighter, I would probably be a featherweight, realistically. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. So that's just probably the average body weight. I probably should have Googled it. I know in Serbia, I read an article about all the basketball players in the Balkan Islands. I know in Serbia, the average height's like 6'3", mm-hmm. and that's actually probably not an exaggeration. Uh, on the other side, there just isn't a whole lot of women featherweights in the sport when you compare with how many women strawweights right. there are, how many women um, flyweights there are. It, it, it's just tough, and when there are so few, it's hard to make stars because they are just going to get fed to the the goats of the weight class and, you know, not come out on the other side. I mean, a lot of times the featherweight class and even lightweight and PFL is just fighters who naturally would fight at 135. They just fight up in class. I mean, we both know why Bellator is in the female 145-pound weight division. It's all because of Chris Cyborg. Like, I saw this uh, article over at MMA Junkie where Sinead Kavanaugh was calling for a rematch with Chris Cyborg, and I get why she's saying that. Me, as a combat sports fan, that just doesn't intrigue me. I saw what the first fight looks like. I don't need to see that again. Yeah. The one thing in her favor is there's not a single fight that Scott Coker could put on the books. For Chris Cyborg, when you're looking at the roster, there's one. Me there's one. What's that? The Zingano in terms of name value to me is the only th- like when you look at right now the women 145 uh, rankings in Bellator. Chris Cyborg, Cass Zingano, Arnold Blinko, Pam Sorensen, Sinead Kavanaugh, Liam McCord, Diana Silva. To me, and, and saying obviously Chris Cyborg signs a new deal with Bellator, which I would expect. The only fight that truly intrigues me to get me to sit at home on a Friday night or a Saturday night and watch the fights live would be Zingano. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I I would say that I still would favor Cyborg heavily in that fight. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen a Cat Zingano fight and think, man, that's the type of fighter that has the ability to beat Chris Cyborg. I, I don't know, but when's the last time I thought that? I mean, we're talking about probably five plus years. That being said, she's the only fighter with name value in that weight class, and we've also never seen her step in the cage. So you are right that that is a fight that has a little bit of sizzle, but even me personally, I mean, we all know the one fight I want to see for Chris Cyborg. It's obvious. 
I think now for Chris Cyborg, her greatest opponent is going to be time. She's 37 years old, and we haven't seen a whole lot of – we don't have a lot of history yet in the sport in general. We have less history in women's mixed martial arts than men's mixed martial arts. So we haven't seen too many fighters go and, and, and do their whole career and retire quite yet. We've seen Shayna Baszler. We've seen Megumi, Megumi Fujii, Roxanne Modafari. We don't really know how long you can be the best in your weight class. And at 37 years old, there's no telling if Chris Cyborg is still going to be competing as a champion for the next five years, the next one to two years. For her, dropping the championship in the Bellator cage is probably going to come down to whether or not she regresses down to her opponent and not necessarily opponent coming in and uh, elevate herself. I, I do wonder what the relationship is like uh, between Chris Cyborg and Larissa Pacheco. Are they friendly? Is that a fight that you think won't happen because they're friends with one another? Because that's a fight that I don't believe has ever happened. And maybe if Larissa becomes a free agent fighting at 145, that could be an interesting fight. I don't get what PFL is doing with Larissa Pacheco. Oh my God! Why are they not doing the rematch? When, when I saw when I saw that press release the other day that came out and said that she's <laughs> fighting Julia Bud in week two of this season at 145 pounds, I was like, "What are we doing?" Like, it, <laughs> yeah, we all know there is one matchup to make in the women's division in the PFL right now. Like, why are you risking Pacheco fighting someone else and potentially losing? She probably won't, but obviously you go in there, anything can happen. I I just don't understand this thought process with the PFL. Maybe it has something more to do with the Kayla Harrison side of the equation. Maybe it's a, a timeline situation and Pacheco wants to stay active, but outside looking in, I'm like, why are we just not booking the immediate rematch here? I have a question. Is that fight, is that going to be a part of a women's featherweight tournament? Yes. Or is that, is Kayla just not in it? Kayla, yeah, Kayla's not, Kayla's done, uh, is no longer oh a my. tournament. She's no longer oh a tournament God. fighter. She is only fighting uh, when when it comes to um, the, the pay-per-view division. Look, okay, honestly, can you blame Pacheco? Because if you're Pacheco, you want the most money. And the pay-per-view isn't a proven commodity. The Lord only knows how many percentage points you're going to get. Maybe for her, winning the million-dollar grand prize and being a part of the tournament means she makes more money than taking the Kayla Harrison fight, which is yeah. crazy to think about. But, yes, the PFL season should have started off this is what they should have done. They should have given Larissa Pacheco, if she wanted to win the million dollars, a spot in the playoffs. All right. And then, and then, yeah, she doesn't have to compete in the round robin. If Kayla doesn't want to compete in the tournament, that's fine. Larissa, Kayla, to start off the, sh- the season, super fight. Larissa can go to the playoffs as, as a, you know, automatic qualifier. And yeah, there you go. But you are totally right. They're leaving money on the table. And it's just like, wow. There's so much momentum for that rematch, a fight that had no interest heading into it because we had already seen Kayla beat her twice. We have the greatest upset in PFL history, 
and we're booking Bud and Pacheco. And yes, Pacheco is the favorite, but Julia Bud has the ability to beat Pacheco. Like she mm-hmm. is a good fighter. She's probably the second best fighter in this tournament. When I'm looking at the main card, assuming all the other women featherweight fights are the are the rest of the tournament matchups. How about Aspen yeah. Lads not even on the main card? And she was supposed to be this prize signing for the PFL. Yeah. I, I get I mean, you want I get why I you want to put heavyweights on main cards. I get it. Yeah, but just, I, I get that a lot because <laughs> you're, you're you're getting first round finish at the first round finish, and yeah, or you can get Augusto Sakai. Yeah, oh my God, I tell you what, dude, if we're making an all star team of most boring fighters in the sport, I'm sorry, Augusto, I hate to I hate to do it to you, but it, dude, your fights are not great, and the thing is, you're pretty damn good. Like when he was taking on this dude, um, I believe Dontel Mays. In the promoted co-main event, because Span and uh, Krylov was off, because I believe Krylov had a sickness. Yeah, food poisoning. Um, yeah, that sucks. I can relate to that. I um, when they were standing up, Augusto was landing, and he probably maybe could have gotten a knockout finish, but by God, the clinch work is his safety blanket. I mean, he just loves that clinch. Just I'm gonna rub you up against the cage, and it's like it's one thing if you're Zach Pauga. And you're just starting off your UFC career or you're just starting off your career at a high level and you're learning the game. The clinch is your security blanket. But as you progress, let's get the fight to more interesting points. Get on top, create space and go for the knockout. Augusto is really good, but man, his fights are just literally the um, real life version of melatonin. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, I, I do want to bring up a point about Yaroslav Amosov here. And, you know, look, I mean, where where do you rank him in the men's 170-pound 100, uh, division? I, I think if I ask 10 MMA fans on Saturday night, you know, watching UFC 285, I might get six different answers. Who, you know, because right now you see the talent, but it, to me it comes with the resume aspect of this. But, like, if if we are Bellator, we're matchmaking Yaroslav Amosov. We're having the conversations with his management, and we're going, who do you want next? I got I got three scenarios for you. The winner of Michael Page, Gochi Yamauchi, Jason Jackson, who's been on a great role, or Lorenz Larkin. I think I would choose Lorenz Larkin because of the, the having the UFC resume, you know, early on in his career. I, I'm on the fence between that or Michael Page. If Michael Page beats Goichi, um, it's a good it's, it's a good one though. I mean, Lorenz has looked really awesome, and he does have those credentials and and whatnot. I, I think you can't go wrong either way. I mean, I I think the best thing that could happen is they sign Nate Diaz and he takes on Nate Diaz, but that is for sure not going to happen. They're not going to sign Nate Diaz and feed him to freaking Amosov. Yeah. That is not going to happen. Nate Diaz ain't coming to Bellator to fight Yaroslav Amosov. Hey, hey, maybe he can fight Darren Till, man. I don't know. I I mean, Till might be, you know, might be tough to cut down. But, um, yeah, okay, I, I I would say Michael Page and Michael Page beats Goichi. If Goichi beats Michael Page, Lorenz Larkin immediately becomes the the fight. Um, man, I, I I'm excited. Like his, I mean, obviously he was taking on Logan Storley, so Logan Storley isn't a great striker, like we know that. But yeah, Amosov was piecing him up on the feet, and then like Logan, 
wrestling was ineffective and Amosov's wrestling was effective when he wanted to implement it. In all those matchups, I favor Amosov really greatly. And, and, dude, when I look at the UFC rankings, and I'm just saying, like, who would I say Amosov would be a dog against? It would probably just be Leon, Usman, Chemaev, and Gilbert Burns. And I would favor Amosov against Covington, Muhammad, Neil, Brady, Luke and uh, man, that Rokmano fight, we'll call that one a push. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we uh, a little bit of free agency news for you coming in here on a Wednesday afternoon. As uh, David Feldman has been on Ariel Hawani's show today, and he announced that um, they are have signed Luke Rockhold and Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez will oh. take on Chad Mendez. And Luke Rockhold will take on Mike Perry. And Jedi Goodman is saying that uh, it's a pay-per-view at $50. I will watch the highlights on Twitter. Uh, yeah, the same way I consume Jake Paul and um, Tommy Fury is the same way I will consume that bare knuckle card. I mean, I, I did not know. I did not know that Eddie Alvarez signed with BKFC until you just said that. Wow, I did, I did not know that's, either. Obviously, that, that's that, obviously that's that's the breaking news there. I mean, you know, there was wow. a thing on Monday. So um, I saw a tweet from my MMA News, who I know the guy that's behind that website used to do PR for BKFC. Um, he hasn't done PR for them for a while, and he had kind of he had thrown a hint out there that you know he was hearing that Luke Rockhold was signing BKFC, and my initial thought with that was like it was twofold. It was like, man, I don't know if I really love Luke Rockhold going to BKFC in terms of what we've seen from him recently. But then it was also kind of like, if Scott Coker didn't sign Luke Rockhold, that to me may be telling on maybe what Scott Coker thinks, or or maybe it's in relation to Scott Coker doesn't want to pay the type of money that Luke Rockhold wants to make. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a combination of those two factors. Um, because I mean, with Luke Rockhold, like, I mean, he looks really bad against Paulo Costa, but also he kind of like, he gassed bad in that fight. And there were moments in that fight where he was doing okay, but he, he gassed really bad. Um, it's not like it's five losses in a row against a couple of bums. The three losses in a row are Paulo, Jan, and Yoel. But it's still also a fighter who's 38 years old on a losing streak, has lost a step, and you have concern about him receiving brain damage. And that's a concern in a bare-knuckle boxing atmosphere um, against a good bare-knuckle boxer in Mike Perry. I, I'm worried for him. I mean, I'm worried for all these guys. It sucks that, like, the same dudes who are in the target demo for blue chew are also now the hottest, you know, bare knuckle fighters, but you get 38, 39, 40, 41, 42. You're in the prime age range for either golfing or bare knuckle boxing. And that's a concern because that's the point where a guy has already fought for two decades, has already received a lot of concussive blows to their brain. And this is just going to add more to that, and that's a really sad thing. 
but BKFC is doing a good job of, of having success with their business, signing names, and making money, generating revenue. This is a, a product that has succeeded so much more than I would have envisioned. You know, it's the antithesis of slap fighting. I just want to mention slap fighting as much as possible. So maybe I can make it in a Dana White's little video. I think that would really help our podcast. Uh, <laughs> the, but, uh, dude, when I, when I saw that clip about him talking about he's making another documentary on the media, which I'm like, why? Dude, Dana White, you literally slapped your wife. It was on video and everyone just kind of moved along. And you're oh. like, I want more attention. I'm like, Jesus, this like, dude yeah. should not be in the sport anymore because of what he did. And yeah, he's just, a, yeah. Yeah, I, I can, all, I mean, so is that documentary going to be on YouTube for like 24 hours before they delete it? It's never be seen again. Like, it, it's one of those, it's one of those things. Like, I was like, if I'm a UFC fighter, I'm going, hold on. Are you having your production guys do a documentary about things that you don't like the media says about you as opposed to, I don't know, doing video content about your fighters? Which then leads me to, bloody elbow with this uh, headline this week tony ferguson if usc president dana white treats his lady like that how do you think he treats his fighters yeah i mean yeah he treats him treats him like crap and and uh obviously tony ferguson has a history that isn't great either correct but uh <laughs> yeah it, it's 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 wild, man. It is, it is we are living in crazy times that Dana White okay. did what he did and he received. I mean, obviously he had the really tough punishment of having to live with himself. And oh my god, I was actually watching the uh, on on the news. They're having this trial for uh, this guy. He committed some murders allegedly named Murdaugh or something. The Murdaugh murders. He's on trial. Yeah, I think yeah, I've seen something about it. His, his defense was, I don't think I should go to jail because I have to live with this for the rest of my life. And they no. actually let him off. No, I'm kidding. He didn't actually say that. Oh That's God. The, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, yeah he I saw Dana like, White. You gotta be effing kidding me. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He saw Dana White. He's like, "That's genius." Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's it's very interesting. You know, because look, we have seen how much the UFC and Dana have promoted power slap versus how they've promoted other events, particularly fight night cards. And it's just telling to me the fact of their live finale that was labeled as going to be a pay-per-view for the past couple of weeks. And then we get news last week that it's going to be on the Rumble app, which I thought was very telling. And maybe that says something about the pay-per-view providers didn't want to get in that business. Yeah, um, I think that's probably that or they were tracking it. And um, they were tracking it, and, and it didn't look too good. But maybe ESPN Plus was just like, "Yeah, we're gonna pass on this one because it's attached to the Disney brand, and who knows where they would have been able to put it on pay per view? Uh, maybe Fight TV is is a place that that I, could have existed. I, I would venture, I guess, probably Rumble's probably paying for it, so people would download their app. I'm guessing, which I mean. I may very well be wrong here, but isn't Rumble more for um, a side side politically Dana Dana White clearly leans? Jason, I I saw a Bloody Elbow article about how Rumble is alt-right. And um, I was like, let me just double check. So I just opened up Rumble for the first time ever. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been on that. And th- these are the five videos that are available for me to watch. Here's a couple of them. Reparations for blacks could be $5 million per person. Oh, fear-mongering. Is he actually racist? Liberals stunned after historic loss. Um, yeah, and there's some video game stuff too. So if you like Hogwarts Legacy, you can see that. But uh, yeah, this is something uh, that is clearly not just leaning right. It fell over. I mean, you mm-hmm. got Newsmax on there. And yeah, I mean, not to get into politics. And this really isn't politics. This is just like fringe politics. But it's not really fringe because this is a website where a lot of people are on. I will say I'm on Rumble, and immediately at the top, it has News Viral Power Slap Podcast Finance. So Power Slap has its own tab and everything. Yeah, I mean, wow, it's... they have ninety. They have ninety thousand views on Dana White previewing Power Slap. But I, I would, I yeah, I have like look, I have zero interest in watching the Power Slap finale, and I literally have one percent interest in paying fifty bucks to watch BKFC. How many? Uh... How many views do you think episode six of Power Slap has on Rumble? 50,000? It says uh, 501,000. Wow. Episode six, 501,000. That's why I think it's a digital property. I think that's what it is. And I think Dana White has figured that out. But, like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I know people People either love or hate Bryn Schaub. But he, yeah. I, I saw a clip on TikTok the other day, and he basically said, he's like, it's very clear that Dana White is more invested in Power Slap than he is a UFC right now. And, and when he said it, I was I was like, you know what? I go, I wouldn't necessarily agree with Brandon Schaub, but also I wouldn't disagree with what he says yeah, in, in relation mean, to that. I would, I would agree, too, with what he says. I think it's... It's just, it's a thing he's really fascinated about and he believes in, and maybe it's going to be really successful. I just, I, I've never argued, well, maybe I have said this before, but for me, the problem with power slap isn't that I don't think it's going to catch on. It might, people might watch it. A lot of people have watched slap fighting videos on Facebook. My problem has always been that I don't think this is a sport that should exist. And as entertaining as it is to watch, my problem has always been I don't like the idea of someone allowing somebody else without defending themselves. I mean, I did hear about all the great defensive skills you have to have in slap fighting in episode one. That is true, right? You have to clench your jaw, so that's really going to prevent a concussion. But I I just – I don't feel comfortable with just standing there letting a guy hit you as hard as possible with an open hand um, and taking it. There's a difference between – something like mixed martial arts where I, it's, it's, it's sporting. I can duck and weave yeah. or professional wrestling where unless I'm in Japan, my opponent isn't going to hit me as hard as they possibly can in Japan. And they go off on, on some of the striking <laughs> battles, but they also aren't going, you know, bam, right on the jaw brain. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it's for me, it's never been about the audience, even though it looks like it, it won't probably be on television long-term. It's always been about the morals and the ethics of whether or not this is a sport we should celebrate. And, and yeah, Dana should probably spend more time promoting UFC events, right? He, he instead of coming out with hit pieces on the media, he's like, if you do not love me, I hate you. You are biased if you don't just giggle whenever yeah. you ask me a question. Like, for the love of God, oh, my God, that clip, uh, I, 
I, I like Robbie Fox, but I don't consume a lot of his content. But for the love of God, you look like awful when you react that way. Like, yeah, I, oh, are you are you gonna do the, uh, the what do you say the Mount Rushmore? Like, like, like last time I loved that. Well, like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like, come on, bro. Uh, like, this is the reality. If Daniel White's doing a one on one interview with somebody. He views that person as an extension of his PR department. He knows they're not. And look, I have, you know, I have nothing bad to say about Robbie Fox. I, I, I mean, look, I, you know, Robbie's a, a content creator, and but like, I didn't read the article, but I guess he basically had a a power slap article that was basically like seemed like you know, wait, wait, people are talking about like he was he was collecting a check for power slap to to write that on Barstool's website, um, you know, but like, look. I, if you tell me Dana White is truly telling the UFC video people to put together some some video package to rail on the media, it ain't hard for me to figure out who's going to be on that video package. Yeah, but can we please get on there? Again, I just think that would be great for our, our subscribers and viewership. I'm down to get on there, but yeah, it's going to be all Ariel Hawani for sure. I mean, it's going to be... I mean, he, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be, it'll, it'll literally try. It'll probably just be this, the video that was before. I mean, I, I've talked about this before. The only, the only negative thing I got a reaction from the UFC during COVID was, um, I got a statement from the association of boxing Commissions, which was basically saying they shouldn't be doing this event in Temecula, in uh, Temecula which was going to be a self-regulated event. And I got a phone call. Let's just say, uh, a not thrilling phone call that they they basically said we don't think that's true. I go yeah, I've got the statement. I'll send you the email, and and I knew what it was was it was Dana and Hunter not not thrilled with what was being said because at that time basically if you question anything they did, you are viewed as the enemy of the state. Yep, yep, and you know it's it's something where this was a real thing that we were all dealing with in real time. None of us were or are pandemic experts and we we experienced the pandemic and we were making decisions and and making choices and having opinions and while we are now obviously in a position as a country where no matter what happens we will never shut down again we just never will in our lifetimes in our lifetimes for everyone that lived through covid it won't happen again even if you are a believer in shutting down there are just too many people that are on the other side of the equation but to just sh- to just say that people were crazy for saying we should shut down is crazy because of how many people died. I mean, in my own, you know, when I Google how many people die from COVID and I look at my own county, which isn't a big county. I mean, 2,117 people just straight up died from COVID. Like, like a guy who was a really awesome football coach at my high school, healthy football coach, now at the rival high school, died from COVID, healthy guy at the gym. People died from that disease. Like it wasn't some phony situation and the UFC didn't stop the coronavirus. We're just living with it now. And it's a, it's a situation where there's no clear way of doing things. Um, But yeah, Dana's got to focus on promoting the UFC. I'd like, he's, you know, he's going to be at a press conference today and be like, yeah, I'm excited this Saturday. UFC John Jones is taking on um, who? Uh, yeah, yeah, him. That, that's a fight. Like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, just, it's one of these things I just look at from a fighter's aspect and go, like, why is the guy that's our promoter more concerned about, 
you know, something the media says. Like, that to me is, is the biggest thing. Um, you know, last week, by the way, speaking about Dana's press conference, he was asked about the whole Ultimate Fire 31 and fires being removed. And I almost like, I'll, I'll pay, hey, this is the way I took it, was like him saying, come on, you goose, stop asking me about this. Connor gets what he wants. That That's my own definition of what he said. But kudos to Bellator. They come in, Kenny Cross, who was one of the fighters booed from the show. They've signed Kenny Cross to a multi-fight deal. He makes his belt order. He'll be fighting on the Hawaii card. Wait, wait. I totally missed this story. So there I were, there were three, uh, I believe it's three fighters. Kenny Cross is one of them. Uh-huh. Connor comes in, basically brings in three fighters he wants on the show. So three guys got booed off the show. That, that's the report. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. You, that you, is you, crazy. I did not hear this yeah. story. I don't know. When did when did this story happen on Saturday? No, well, literally, it happened once Connor showed up to Vegas to start filming the Austin Fighter. He 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 flew on a private jet, brought in his own guys, oh. and he's like, "I want them on the show." And they they booted three guys. Um, one of them was Kenny Cross, uh, Chris Montino, I believe, is is another one, and then um, Mitch Ramirez, who trains out of Syndicate. I've heard is a, is another um, fighter that got booted from the show because Connor wanted his guys on the show. Yeah, I didn't hear that at all. That is really that's a really crappy thing to do to somebody. That yeah. sucks, man. Like, uh, I hope they got that on video, but obviously that won't make the show. But that would be really good. What they should have done is just had those three guys fight Connor's guys. Now we're talking. Now we're talking a fight into the house. Yeah, dude, what a complete, um, so, what a complete asshole thing to do. Yeah, let me let me find it because so I saw a report on it and then. Uh, Danny Rubenstein, who is a manager, I'm trying to find Danny's, um, I think it's Danny Rube. And he basically confirmed it. And, uh, cause I believe he reps at least Mitch Ramirez was one of the people that he reps. Mitch used, Mitch used to be represented by Jason house. And then, um, cause I, I hit up a, a radio about it and they're like, yeah, we don't represent uh, him anymore. Wow. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't hear about that. No, yeah, that's a story that completely, uh, completely just, I, I didn't see it at all. And um, that, you know, that's uh, like the, for these fighters, obviously the ultimate fighter is is not what it once was, right? It's it's not. We, we all know that. It, it's not that important, but it's still important for these guys who have dreams and aspirations. They think they're going to be a part of the show. That sucks. So this was back on February 17th. This came from a Twitter account, MMA underscore orbit that noted about the, the, the contestants for this season, the ultimate fighter being at 135 pounds, 155 pounds. Danny tweeted, he goes, Kenny Cross, Mitch Ramirez and brand Jenkins all got pulled off to make room for three of Connor guys to be on the show. Damn, and and basically, I hit someone up about that, and they basically said, like, if Danny's putting it out there publicly, it's probably spot on true. Yeah, and and Connor has denied it, but Connor's word doesn't mean much. Uh, He says, "Not true. I only know one guy on the show, and he put himself forward for it, and he is now after today set to fight the number one seed. I didn't ask nor request nothing, and I certainly didn't have people removed. I'm trying to get back in the mix myself, so f off." Between Rubenstein and Connor, I'm gonna lean towards Rubenstein well, and yeah. And another guy that was pulled from this is Razabov, who fights in the opening fight on UFC two eighty five this weekend. P 
PF, PFL guys. So, I mean, some of the names I think people will, will notice that are reportedly on this season, Austin Hubbard, Jason Knight, Dakota Bush, uh, Anthony Burchek, Cody Gibson, Hunter Azure, Rico DeSculo, Mando Gutierrez, Timur Valiev. Okay, I think I think out of all those guys, my pick is um, Timur Valiev. That's yeah. my pick. No. I, I like him a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Kenny Cross gets that deal. Uh, also free and signing Lance Palmer has signed with ACA per ACA's IG account. And uh, we mentioned about uh, Darren Till uh, requested his release from the UFC. It was granted until on Twitter said what's happened. Everyone, me, Dana Hunter are still cool as F. I asked UFC to remove me to, just to sort some other S for the foreseeable. They happily agreed to release me out of my contract which I appreciate. I'm not going anywhere. Got big plans to execute. I'll be back. And then I did see uh, he did put another tweet out with the uh, boxing glove emoji and dollar sign. So maybe he's just chasing that boxing money, which I, I'm not sure how much money there will really be for Darren Till, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see in terms of that. Yeah, I wonder if um, there's some stipulation in the release that he can't compete in mixed martial arts. Or maybe the UFC just doesn't care, and they did him a favor. I mean, at the end of the day, Darren's lost five of his last six. But he is only 30 years old, and we have seen fighters return to form. So it's not out of the question that he could figure things out and, and come back. I mean, look at Kevin Lee back in the UFC, or how Johnny Walker was in quite the rut before he figured things out again. Darren Till has flashed great upside, I mean, so much so that he got a championship opportunity. It, it, it's not crazy to think that he could come out here and return, but if I had to guess, we'll probably see him in a BKFC card or something like that. Yeah, I mean, look, if you as long as you don't burn any bridges with Dana and Hunter, you got a chance to come back here. Of course, uh, this is the MMA Report Podcast, and this episode of the podcast is presented by Harry's. And be just like me and make the switch over to Harry's. Of course, we all know when we go to the store or buy, we're going to need to buy razors because, well, especially when you do digital content, I don't like to be scruffy. Razors are so damn expensive, but Harry's, they have figured it all out for you as you can get a quality razor you can depend on delivered straight to your door from Harry's. You don't even got to leave your house. That box comes straight to your door. Yeah, and the thing is that box is really, really inexpensive. We're talking about like a $15 value for three bucks. Are you kidding me? And the three bucks is the, uh, is the Truman set. And I got that trial set whenever we started doing business with Harry's. And now I am a Harry's customer because I love the shave, man. The blade is just phenomenal. My eighth shave, my ninth shave, my 10th shave is just as sharp as my first one. So I'm not going through blades like I used to. The shave itself is really, really good. I am looking forward to my shaves now. I shave about two times a week, and uh, that's because I don't have a job right now, and I'm doing wrestling training. But every time I go up to do my wrestling training, I do my shave, and I am going to eventually wrestle. Uh, so I may do it shirtless which means I'm going to have to shave my whole body. So I'm going to use Harry's blades on my body to try out, but I can't recommend Harry enough. In particular, the Truman set came in and it had everything I needed, the shaving cream, the blade, and it's a beautiful blade too. It, it looks great in the restroom. It's weighted too. 
I, I can't advocate for Harry's enough. If you're someone who shaves, this is a product you need to be using in your life. It has been a life changer to my shaving experience. And Harry's, I mean, right before the show, I was using that Harry's Rager, getting nice and cleaned up, feeling good here for the podcast. And Harry's, they are still offering a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Don't get overcharged for razors. Get Harry's. Get a $15 Truman Shave trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash mmayreport. That's harrys.com slash mmayreport for a $3 trial set. And, of course, uh, when you hit that unique URL that lets Harry's know you heard about it here on the MMA Report podcast, and, uh, you know, put it on social media. Let, let Harry's know they heard about it here on the MMA Report podcast. It's a great way to show your support here for the show. But, Daniel, like we mentioned right at the beginning of the show, it is a John Jones fight week. I didn't know if we'd ever get here. And so I've taken in the countdown show. I've taken it episode one, episode two of Embedded. And I mean, look, obviously it's been heavy John Jones content from the UFC. We all know why that is. One of my bigger takeaways from watching this is no one has been labeled as John Jones's head coach. The only coaches that have been really shown on the countdown and embedded have been Brand Gibson, his striking coach, and also his strength and conditioning coach with some of the things he's doing. I know people are kind of making fun of John Jones, calling his A-list heavyweight uh, sparring partners, but I would flip it on what I, I understand why people are kind of, you know, throwing jabs at John Jones about that because of the record those guys have had in the UFC, but I'm like, who's a noble training partner of Surreal Gone? Yeah. Yeah, there's just more of a spotlight on John Jones and more of people poking holes at that. But for Cyril, I would be more concerned about his wrestling than Jones should probably be for Cyril striking. You know, technically, Cyril is one of the best heavyweights in the game on the feet. If this fight plays out on the feet, Cyril gone will beat John Jones, in my opinion. He's just that good technically, and he can really pick someone apart. But Jones is a hell of a wrestler, and if he's able to bring this down to the ground on top, he could finish this fight. This is a hell of a fight, a hell of a heavyweight scrap, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. But I think there's questions you can make for both fighters, and that's what makes this such a great fight is that Anyone who unequivocally says they believe that this is going to happen is selling you snake oil. As I was thinking about how this fight could go down on Saturday night, and and I was more looking, I mean, I think for the Jones side, to me, the, the biggest question mark is three years away, moving up in weight. How, how does he move around now carrying this extra weight? The other thing that came to my mind with a key to victory for Gon in this one, to me, if you tell me Gon wins this fight, Daniel, to me it's A, he stops the takedown uh, attempts of John Jones, and B, he keeps this fight at range. If you tell me this is a fight that's in a clinching type range, I think this is John Jones' fight to lose. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think even in the clinch, even if it's standing, he, he still has the success. Uh, Cyril's going to have to separate himself from the clinch and, and just create that space and pick him away, attack the legs, and weaken that to win. Um, this is, look, one of the closest fights we've seen out of John Jones. I'm, I'm looking at best fight odds, and I'm looking at his entire history. And it's really fun to go down memory lane. 
John Jones was actually an underdog to start off his UFC career against Andre Guzmao and Stefan Bonner. That is crazy to think about. And he was a slight favorite against Matt Hamill in the fight that he actually did lose. So you would have cashed out if you bet yeah. against him. But after the Matt Hamill fight, the only other fights where Jones has been this close to his opponent in terms of the betting odds is the rematch with Gustafsson and then obviously Daniel Cormier. Really everything and, – and that's the second Cormier fight. Really everything else is plus 200 or wider when it comes to John Jones as a favorite. That's what we're accustomed to. He's the GOAT. And that's why this fight is close is because he's been away for a very, very long time. And there's been a lot of questions surrounding John Jones whenever he's not actively competing. Here's my other thing about this fight. If Francis Ngannou could take down Surreal Gone and keep him down, why do you think John Jones ain't going to do the same? You know, because like I, I, someone mentioned about over at Prize Picks that the takedown prop for John Jones is two and a half, and they said, is it going to take more than two takedowns for Jones to win this fight? It may be one takedown. Gone never gets up to his feet, and John Jones wins in the first round. It's possible. I mean, we've never seen, we've never seen Gone finished, but throughout his career, we haven't seen a lot of him on his back either. And we've obviously never seen a fight someone like John Jones. We've seen him fight fighters who have a lot more power and strength than John Jones but don't have the athleticism and also the wrestling skill of John Jones. In fact, I can't even tell you who the best wrestler is that he's fought. Probably Francis when I'm looking at this. That's, that's not, that's not a good answer. No, I know it's not, it's not, but he's taking on Lewis Volkov, G- Rosenstrike, JDS, Bozer, Dante Mays, and Raphael Pazau, and obviously Ty in his last fight. The difference between Francis and Jones is Francis has a lot more strength than Jones. But I still think Jones is just such a better wrestler than Francis is, technically speaking. And his athleticism is there that he's probably going to be able to take down Surreal at will. And that's just kind of why Jones is my pick in this fight. I think if there wasn't such an easy path to victory for John Jones, I would pick Surreal in this fight. Because the difference between Jones and Surreal that's in Surreal's favor is Surreal's only 32 years old compared to Jones's 35. He's actively been competing, and he hasn't really had too many distractions. John Jones, on the other hand, is one of those guys, like Connor, that's got like a 5,000-word controversy section in his Wikipedia page. Yeah. You know, he's been in trouble with the law for various crimes throughout his life. There's been reports and also him even talking about not making the best choices before a fight Mm -hmm. when it comes to stuff he puts in his body. Mm -hmm. Clearly, John Jones hasn't worked as hard as he could have. And he's still the best fighter of all time. What the hell? This guy is crazy. This guy is insane. How can this guy be the best fighter of all time when he literally makes so many mistakes in his preparation? It, it, it's it, mm-hmm. it, Your imagination can really run wild when you think about what his career would have been like 
if he was a model citizen like Daniel Cormier. Obviously, DC did cheat when he grabbed the towel and he weighed in. But other than that, a don't pretty model don't citizen. Don't tell DC that. <laughs> but imagine if he was like DC. He probably would have won multiple Olympics. I'm still, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just watching that DC YouTube channel this week. Will we get a, a DC Jones sit down? Probably not. But Cormier yeah, will be know. on the call on Saturday night, which to me, the other interesting part of this fight is will we get a true story out of the UFC commentating team about why this title was vacant? Look, we have heard Fran- we have heard the name James Krause on the broadcast. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't think so, but it could. John Anik, I feel like, is someone who really advocates for telling the whole story behind the scenes. It's just a matter of what he's literally allowed to do. But if I had exactly. to guess, I believe yeah, I believe John's going to advocate to tell that story, but I don't think he's going to be allowed to do it. That, that to me is the thing is he told by, you know, his bosses, Hey, this is going to be the narrative that you're going to bring up. And I would, my guess is that Francis name will be brought up in some manner. I just don't know if, if you'll get truly the answer. And the other thing to me is like, um, I, I'll be watching the fights from home on Saturday night, but I would be interested if, if someone went out and, you know, you're at a bar and, and say, you're just, you know, you're sitting, you know, and you pull 10 people just sitting at the bar watching the fights. How many of them would say this is the first time they they're watching John Jones fight live? Wow, that's a good question because there has been a lot of new fans. I mean, this is a very successful product. It's been a long time, and and I, I couldn't tell you, but I I feel like it would be a significant percentage. It, it really know. would. Uh, it's it's an interesting thing, and and this is the end of his career. I mean, he's thirty five years old. You know, he's no longer. The young pup. But you're so heavyweight who knows? now, bro. He's a young That's pup true. now. That's true. What if, um, what if, <coughs> excuse me, John Jones wins and Francis comes out and he signed a deal with the UFC and he's coming back. Well, how, how crazy would that be? He's just coming in. I with just want to put that. He's, he's coming in with a money in the bank briefcase. Say I'm cashing in. Yeah, yeah, literally. Like what I'm just trying to put that out there and just so we can have that as a clip if uh and if it actually happens it probably won't. I mean, um I didn't listen to his whole interview with Ariel just cuz his his like Wi-Fi connection was pretty rough. Uh but yeah, I, I think he probably burnt a couple bridges with the interview and how they've handled it, but the one thing that can put a bridge back together is money. You spend a lot of money and you can build the bridge back. And uh, Francis and Jones, that is money. And we haven't seen really any news out of Francis's camp. So he's probably still out there. Yeah, there was, uh, I know MMA Junkie did an interview with him yesterday. And he kind of noted that he would ramp up negotiation when he's ready to fight, which kind of made me wonder about you're well over a year since surgery. What's going on? Yeah. Was, there, was was maybe the recovery not going the way it should? I mean, in, in today's age of torn ACLs, six, nine months is usually the, the length of those in, 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 in injuries. 
So it, it just kind of made me wonder there. But I mean, look, I, I my my official pick is John Jones, um, and I think Jones gets a stoppage at some point with ground and pound. You know what? I'm gonna literally ditto what you're saying. I do think we're looking at a Jones win and a Jones third round finish, but I, I have to reiterate the fact that Jones. Ah, damn. The other thing is, when you look at Jones, his last two fights he fought pretty bad against Dom and Santos. Damn. Man, that, screw that, it. I'm picking Cyril. I'm picking Cyril gone. I'm picking Cyril gone. I can't come out here. So the thing is, Jones can very easily out-wrestle this dude. And so <laughs> that's why I'm thinking of picking Jones. But I just – I look at the fact that his last two fights were those close fights to Santos and uh, and uh, Dom. And I'm like, oh, Cyril's a lot better than these two guys. I'm picking Cyril gone. I'm going Cyril gone by decision. Uh, yeah, look, it's like I paid it earlier. If he's going to win this fight, it means he stopped the takedowns. So he keeps his fight at range. Uh, co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko defending the women's flyweight title against Alexa Grosso. She is a six and a half to one betting favorite here. And the one thing I, I keep thinking about this fight is you go back to that Thalia Santos fight. If, if Grosso is going to pull this off, she's got to get off to a fast start. Shevchenko is notoriously a slow starter, but I just kind of feel like you're going to see Shevchenko kind of do what she does. I think she eventually gets a takedown and gets a stoppage in the fourth round. Yeah, it's important to harken back to that Talia Santos fight because that was crazy what happened here. I mean, Shevchenko, the second best female fighter of all time, she could have lost that decision. If uh, judges saw it differently, yeah. that was a close fight against Talia. Grasso's stand up to me is better than Santos's stand up, so that's an interesting situation here. But I think Valentina is going to be motivated after the the coming close to defeat, mm-hmm. and she's going to defend her championship. But it's worth noting that she had a very very bad performance in her last championship defense. And when I say very, very bad, I'm saying it on the Valentina Shevchenko scale. She's, again, it's it's Nunez, then it's Valentina, then it's a pretty big gap, and it's everyone else when we're ranking the best female fighters of all time. Uh, but, but um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, picking, I'm picking Shevchenko here. Yeah, to me, I'm, I'm with Shevchenko there. Yeah, I mentioned about there was a Shavkat Rachmanov thing I was going to throw out to you. Let's say we're playing the stock market here in terms of who you buy more stock in. Rachmanov or Amosov? It's a good question. I would probably probably. go go Rachmanov just because him fighting in the UFC, he's going to get more publicity than Amosov being in Bellator. Yeah, I agree with you, Um, but it's close. The difference is... Man, Amosov's really well-rounded, but, man, I think Shavkat's stand-up is better. Um, it, it's close. Let me flip around this game. Look at this card. Look at this prelims. There's a lot of guys with a lot of potential here. Rachmanov, Turner, Gamrot, Nickel, Ian, Gary, uh, you know, Tabitha Ritchie down there, Drikas Duplisi. Let me ask you this. You have to buy stock on one fighter to become a UFC champion that's not in the title fight. Who is your pick? Come on. You know. You're going Bo Nickel? Yeah. I mean, look. It's a, look if there's it, anyone it, on it, this it, Seriously. 
If we ask 10 people who do MMA podcasts, that question you just presented, I'd be shocked if all 10 did not say Bo Nickel. Here's the thing. Bo Nickel is only one year younger than Rachmanov. Okay? Rachmanov is a lot closer to that championship than Bo Nickel. All right. Who's going to uh-huh. stop the wrestling of Bo Nickel right now? It's a great, no it's a great equalizer. That that's what, like look, no one. Look, Rachmanov to me, yeah. The the ceiling is UFC champion, no doubt about it in my mind. Bo Nickel, I I think you and look, I think this matchup is a a great matchup for him. I think the UFC made that. You know, if you remember, this match was supposed to take place back in December. UFC said, "No, nah, we're gonna hey, we're gonna do this in March now." There's a reason they wanted this fight. To me, it's because of what Bo Nickel can do on the ground. That I, I mean, look, Rachmanov would be the second pick, but like if we're having a fancy draft, and you say I got the first pick, I'm going Bo Nickel. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that you would take Rachmanov with the second pick. I would, which is it's look, you're talking about a dude who's three and zero, and I'm talking about a dude who's a a top ten fighter in his the, weight class. The third you know, pick, the third pick would be tough uh, for me. Yeah, my third pick would probably be and I don't think the third pick's going to win a championship in the UFC but oh man I I think I'm looking I think I might be looking at that lightweight matchup uh, I don't know I think my third pick's probably going to be Duplissy actually I don't I know say. like that's oh, the type yeah. of, that's the type of matchup that I kind of feel like that's a fight that Derek Brunson wins. Like, so I was looking at, like, if you look at, you know, some of these fighters and Jalen Turner, the only question I have about Jalen Turner is the grappling aspect of it, particularly if someone's able to take him down control on his back. Like if, if you told me, you know, pick one is nickel. Number two is Rachmanov. Number three, I think I'm kind of debating between it's probably Ian Gary, but I don't see Ian Gary as a UFC champion. Dude, number three, I might just go, uh, man, this is tough. I'm like, man, maybe I'll just go and pick Amanda Rebus out here, but no, nah, I, I don't I, see her winning the flyweight title, especially if Aaron Blanchfield lives in this world. Uh, I don't, she's, yeah. I Ian Gary, the thing with Ian is like, his last fight I, I didn't do wonders for me. Um, his stand-up is good, though. He's got a good frame. I think if I'm locking it in, I am going Jerichus, even though he might lose um, at 285. He is a heavy hitter. I, um, I would put Ricci up there just because of the path to getting to a title shot is going to be a quicker path in the female divisions than in the male divisions. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think you're looking at that or you're looking at the winner between Gameron and Turner. Uh, it, it's tough. It, it's tough. I mean, there's a big drop off. I mean, realistically, there are two fighters in the UFC roster that remind me of John Jones's path to the UFC championship. The, a, a, excuse me, a fighter who just got to the UFC, super young, although Bo isn't that young, but young in mixed martial arts years and just supercharged their way to a championship. The two fighters in the UFC that are like that to me, one is a, is a female fighter, Aaron Blanchfield, is like the female John Jones, and then Bo Nickel reminds me of John Jones, and he is capable of going on that meteoric rise. So I get why he's your pick. It, it's not crazy to think he could be fighting for a championship in a year. 
Like he could just get big challenge after big challenge, right? Like the exact opposite of Patty Pimblett is the type of opponents Bo Nickel could be getting here. Bo Nickel's a little older than I thought he was. I thought he was like 25 years old. He's 27, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he turned turned 27. 27 back in January. So my pick is just one year older than yours, and he is already a top 10 fighter. I, I like my pick. You know, the Houston Texans have the second pick in the NFL draft, and if they do as well as I did in our draft right now, I am looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. I I expect that we're going to see Rachmanov go out there and get a victory on Saturday night, but uh, it's a huge line. I mean, look, if, you, if you're in a state where you can place a legal wager, I mean, if you're looking some value, there definitely is some value there on Jeff Neal. You know, the Gamrot-Turner fight, to me, it just comes down to is can Gamrot utilize a grappling game? If you tell me, I mean, Jalen Turner has a massive frame for one, for 155 pounds with his length, but to me, it's whether or not he can stop the takedown. But, like, look, these five fights on pay-per-view, like, you're not going to hear me complain about dropping $85. No, it's it's a great main card. Um, it, it really is because you look at the main cards, you get the greatest male fighter of all time in a fight he could lose, the second greatest female fighter of all time in a fight she could lose, Rachmanov and Neil, which is a great fight because Rachmanov is a really talented fighter and Jeff Neil brings the action. Gamera and Turner is a hotly contested lightweight scrap. I'm picking Jalen Turner in this fight. I, I was really blown away by his last performance, and Bo Nickel and Jamie Pickett, which is probably going to be a first-round finish. And Bo Nickel is, what, the best prospect in mixed martial arts right now? Either, you know, him or uh, – I mean, he's more impressive, but he's also, like, 10 years older than Raul Rosas Jr. But, yeah, that's crazy to think about. But, yeah, him and Raul Rosas Jr. are two big prospects that uh, have high ceilings in mm-hmm. their careers. And the thing is – the hits keep on coming, right? Like the preliminary card has a lot of great fights. I am so excited for UFC 285 this weekend. Yeah, you know, you got Cody Garbrandt taking on Trevin Jones in the feature preliminary bout there. And that was initially supposed to be Cody Garbrandt versus Julio Arce. I like this matchup better for Cody Garbrandt in this one. I mean, with Cody Garbrandt, I mean, like we all know how super talented he is, but, you know, we've seen the chin issues that are there and Trevin Jones can crack. Um, I, I, I'm going to pick Cody Garbrandt, but I, I mean, look, don't feel good about the pick just because of, of what we've seen there. Uh, you, you mentioned about Brunson and Duplessis. Um, you know, Brunson, of course, trained down there at Killcliffe FC. Duplessis had done some work at, at Killcliffe. Um, at one point, uh, you mentioned about uh, Hebas and Arujo. I mentioned to see if Julian Marquez is made available to the media this week. Yeah, I he's been I training. At, he he's been training be. at Factory X um, since leaving Glory. So I'm just kind of interested to see kind of uh, if he is made available to uh, the media this week in terms of uh, what he might say. I think he will be available, uh, but only time will tell. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, He's someone who obviously, you know, closely aligned uh, with that glory camp and uh, surely that affected him, but he, he's a fun fighter to watch, man. He's a heavy hitter and, yeah, uh, no, he is. you know, I, I think, I think he'll win that fight. I, man, that drink is Brunson fight is so good. Like, like that's crazy that Brunson is, is a dog in that fight. Um, what, what I concern- would almost. Yeah. What yeah. concerns me about that matchup 
is the fact of, especially in his last fight, we saw Duplessis really wear down as the fight went on. I just wonder kind of if Brunson can make it a grappling matchup that he, this, this seems like one of those fights where, you know, we've seen throughout his UFC run where I think we count out Derek Brunson a little bit and then he just goes out there and, and he, and he catches in as an underdog. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see that for sure. He has the tools, and the tools are the wrestling. The concern is probably the chin of of Derek. You could get tagged, um, but I would be down to put back some money on on Derek. Man, Cody, 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 Cody. This is a uh, Cody Garbrandt fight. Is the is the uh, the BKFC fight of the night, uh, where it's like who's most likely to fight BKFC next, and Cody Garbrandt is that guy. But he's probably going to beat Trevin because Trevin isn't hasn't had a lot of success. But uh, Cody needs to win this fight, or this is his last fight in the promotion. It just it just will be, um, yeah. And then yeah, Ian Gary. I mean, a name to watch in the early prelims and, and Tabitha Ritchie against a veteran and Jessica Panay. I expect both Ritchie and Gary to have really good performances. You know, for, I mean, from the betting side, to me, the underdogs that stick out the most to me would be Jalen Turner plus one eighty, Julian Marquez plus one twenty five, and Derek Brunson plus one ninety. Yeah, I would go with the parlay of Brunson and Surreal gone. That's going to be the Daniel parlay of the night. I'm picking both those guys to win, and man, there's a part of me that's itching to pick Alexa Grasso, but I'm not going to pull the trigger on that one. I'm just concerned about the the uh, the grappling aspect of that matchup. That that's where I think Shevchenko takes over that fight. Yeah, I agree with you, and and Alexa's ability to defend that is to me less than Santos's ability to do so. Um, so yeah, I, I certainly agree with you. But hey, man, you know, Valentin is just holding that title for Aaron Blanchfield. You know, just holding that title for Blanchfield. Why has Manon Fiorot become like the, the person no one's talking about in that division? Is it just because we have recency bias in our sport that we just, we only, it's only about what's like immediately happened that gets talked about? We are like goldfish. Not just in this sport, but just in the world, right? Like, remember when we were concerned about balloons and now now we're we're not it took like two weeks and yeah we just have a new story every week <laughs> we, and, yeah uh, we, we we definitely forget about things pretty quickly <laughs> but yeah we definitely forget about manone and like all she's done is just win every fight in the <laughs> ufc she beat the unofficial um i don't want to call her a gatekeeper because she's more than a gatekeeper she's like the gatekeeper to the championship and her name is caitlin chikagian no, if she's gatekeeper. No, she's she, gatekeeper. Like, no, but that, like that. No, 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 she is. She is basically like, if you have, if you're a rising contender, if you beat yeah. her, you're a true contender. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like you, you will challenge for the title, because honestly, like if uh, Valentina didn't exist, Caitlyn would probably be a champion at some point. But uh, I mean, yeah, she lost pretty decisively against Manon and. Uh, the only time we see that out of Shikagian is whenever she's taking on Shevchenko. So, yeah, um, Manon deserves it. She does deserve it. But Aaron, not only that fight recently happened, but she really captures the imagination with how young she is and how she easily dismantles opponents. And I think the other thing is that with the difference is, unfortunately for Manon, man, and 
is is the fact that she isn't an American fighter. We have more of a bias towards American fighters and international fighters because the American fighters to the American audience are more easily able to tell their story. And pay-per-views is all about selling a story. And the Aaron Blanchfield story has been communicated way more than the Manon Ferriero story, even though both fighters are incredibly good. You know what we did not mention about the main event? What's that? Your backup fighter, Sergey Pavlovich. Huh. Dude, imagine if Jones pulls out and we have Pavlovich and he's gone. I'm, uh, that could happen All for right. sure. If that happened, do you still have any issues throwing down $85? <laughs> I think a little harder about it. I do. Uh, yeah, I we, do. we are in the same thought process. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a fight card that's built on on a deck of cards. You know, it, it it looks all good all together, but if you take away the main course, I'm okay. like, oh, I just have potatoes and asparagus. Like I'm, a, I love to play spades. It'd be like okay. if we're playing yeah. spades. And I, and they deal out the cards, and then I look at it and I go, "Oh crap, man! I got Ace of Spades, King of Spades, Queen of Spades, Jack of Spades. Oh, I'm feeling good." All of a sudden, if you told me, "Oh yeah, you just lost that Ace of Spades and King of Spades," I'd be like, "Oh man, it's not as good as, as I thought." <laughs> I don't know Spades, so I don't get the reference. But it it sounds like it makes sense, Jason. Yes, yes, it sounds it, like it makes sense. I, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't you know. I feel like spades is a very like adult game, which I am an adult now. You know, I've, I, I started grown playing up. spades like in high school. Jones. Oh, okay, so maybe it's just uh, you know a child of, of you know your generation. You know, you, you what, played. What, spades. what do you call me old now? I'm just saying, I played Candy Crush in high school. You know, I uh, I played. Uh, okay, now played you now, now you're making me feel old. Saying that you played Candy Crush in high school, now you make me feel old. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm also in your boat now, right? Like, there is now nostalgia for things I grew up on. There are now remakes of things that came out, and yeah. And yeah, now John Jones is 35. That probably makes me feel the oldest. Yeah, it was... Doesn't he still feel like that young guy? No, he does. I mean, when I was watching the Countdown show, and, you know, they're they're showing all these these clips, and, like, I I can remember... Where I was when he beat Shogun Hua for the light heavyweight title. I was not watching it live. I was doing a club gig for our top 40 station and goddamn ESPN ruined it for me. I was going to watch the fight. So I got home. I was avoiding social media, all that. So I would not get the result ruined. And that damn ESPN notification pops up on my phone. like, son of a bitch. Yeah, that sucks. That, uh, that really does suck. And I feel like those things happened to me. I was literally going Whatever. to get home at three o'clock in the morning and watch the fights. Then I saw the notification. I was like, well, no reason to stay up till five o'clock in the morning, watch these fights. And it's not something you expect, you know, uh, a UFC ESPN notification. At, at this the, point, at I mean, time. unless you, you turn your, I mean, literally you put your phone in airplane mode. I feel like it's very hard to avoid spoilers in sports in general. Yeah, it is hard. Granted, I do a good job of that. I get the only notification I get on my phone is from DoorDash and everything else. 
I have it on do not disturb. I don't see it. So that, can, that sounds very non millennialish of you. I hate notifications. I really do. I hate the phone telling me to pay attention to it. I tell the phone when I'm going to waste all my time on it. All right. I don't let the phone tell me. See, I, I like, I hate to see like a number over a, an app. My yeah. wife, the other day, she's like, guess how many unread emails I have? I don't know. 20, 8,300. I'm like, you are a psycho. <laughs> like, you are a psycho. <laughs> Yeah, but I think a lot of people can relate to the email situation. A lot of people's inboxes are, I mean, my inbox is like that. I can't do it. I can't. I can't see that number. I mean, the psychos to me are the text people, the people that have like a hundred plus unread text messages. How? How? Exactly. I don't. I don't get that. You're just being a. You're just being a jerk. You know. No, no. I've, I, now I'll say this: I've woken up to like, you, you, we all we're all on that group chat where they just start texting beyond belief. I remember one morning I woke up to two hundred unread texts. I go, "What the hell happened?" And, yeah, and then they yeah. said something to me like, "Oh, you're not going to respond." I go, "Bro, I woke up with two hundred unread texts. I'm not going through all two hundred messages." Yeah, I'm not going to read a book that you guys wrote. Okay, I, I might read a book that Charles Dickens wrote. But I'm not going to read a book of that Randy wrote about what happened last night at the bar. Yeah, 200 texts is, is too much. But uh, Okay, by the way, um, since you, you, you bring up um conversation that happened at the bar, you go to Chick-fil-A, right? Yeah, except for Sundays. Clearly, yes. I don't know if you I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the joke that someone has said uh, they want to open up a food truck that's only open on Sunday. They're going to park it next to a Chick-fil-A called Side Piece. Yeah, that, I did see that one. That that should just happen. So me and my buddy Chris are, I don't know how we got on this conversation. And I mentioned the fact that if I go, the worst item on the Chick-fil-A breakfast menu is the chicken minis. And he thought I was crazy by saying that. No, you're right. Those suck. They have no personality. I love Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. So I don't have the conversation came up because I don't know. I was talking about how I got a, I ordered breakfast with the drive through. They gave me the damn wrong order and they gave me the chicken minis. So I turn around, go inside. Like, Oh, do you want these chicken minis? I go, no, I don't want that crap. Yeah, no, you're right. The, those suck. Those have no personality. The bread does suck. It's mostly bread. You are a hundred percent right. I don't even know what would come in second, and, 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 but that and, is, and my, so we had a group chat about this and I said, I go, you want to know how, you know, it's not the, it's one of the worst uh, items on the menu. It's always free in the app under the rewards. Yeah. 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 That's a hell of a point. Yeah. It's okay. always free. Just the, just the old chicken. Chicken's fine. Okay. It's the bread that just kills it. Yeah. No, you're right. That bread does suck. And it, and it's what you think about the whole time you're eating it because like, the chicken mini is like just a chicken nugget wrapped around this crappy bread. Yes. And that's all it is. That's literally all it is. And you just get four of them. I mean, what a piece of, what a crap deal. I mean, Chick-fil-A kills it. Like with so many other items, right? One of the best fries in the game. What if they just did the chicken minis on the Chick-fil-A sandwich bread? Now we're talking. 
I'm with you. You know, I'm now we're you. talking. Put a little mini pickle on there, you know, and just get a Chick fil A sandwich and shrink it down in some type <laughs> of machine. Now we're talking, but you are right. I haven't really thought about this, I've just lived it. But that bread does suck. It, it became a hot topic at the bar. Like we had like four or five people all, all talking about this. I'm like, I go, and they all thought it was good. I go, you guys don't know what good food is. Yeah, no, they don't. I'm sorry, but your friends need to get some new taste buds. Did have some leftover chicken wings on Sunday morning. It, it did kind of help with the headache. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I can't relate to leftover chicken wings. I've never had that ever happen before, but you know, everyone makes their own mistakes. I don't know how you haven't consumed them all, well, but yeah, sometimes, if I see you know, sometimes, you know, you go out to fellas, you know, you need to bring food home to the wife. And I brought home some chicken wings. I had the next morning. Oh, uh-huh. nice they were pack. delicious. They yeah. were delicious, but I, I, I was, yeah. you know, had a, had a rough Sunday Had a rough Sunday. Uh, hey man, but you had a great Saturday, and that's all that matters. I did, I did, know? I did have a great Saturday. Yeah, that was that was fun, and uh, it's uh, hopefully this Saturday is going to be a good one. But uh, of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the MA Report Podcast. Of course, be sure to check out that special that Harry's has for the MA Report Podcast listener. I'll be back on Sunday with a new episode of the podcast. Joe Lucky uh, is going to join me on Sunday's podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the MA Report Podcast. Which comes two times, comes out two times a week on your favorite podcasting platform and radioinfluence.com.